Um, so I just I'm going to share for a few minutes with all of you this evening. Um, as you know, we've been unpacking God's law and what exactly that means for us. I want to share with you tonight some personal reflections of what walking down um, the roadmap that he quite literally gave us um, has looked like in my own life. And I hope that this like connects with you. Um, and I hope that it helps you kind of connect some of the things that we have been learning and walking through. Um, you know, I think so often um, we feel limited in some of our uh, Christian walk. We, th- we think we have to wait for weekends like this to hear from the Lord. We think we have to um, to wait to like be with the Lord, and um, and that's not exactly uh, why the Lord uh, gave us His law and sent us His Son. And um, so I want to just talk through, yeah, like what exactly um, this has looked like for me. And so I want to start with just saying, so much of my Christian life has been exhausting. And not the good kind where you've spent your time well and you spent your energy well and you feel really proud of the hard work you've done. No. It is the kind of exhausting that makes you feel like you're caught and awake and you can't stay up long enough for air. Or the feeling of being on a roller coaster. I would go up and I would go down moment by moment with each, each obstacle and trial I faced because I did not know the character of God and understand what his law meant, I thought that this roller coaster experience was normal for a Christian. And you probably think I'm here to tell you that it's not normal. (laughs) While that's implied, that would be way too easy for me to leave you with and would leave you where I felt stuck for so long. I want to talk to you about a lie that comes with this roller coaster faith. A lie that I tangled with for years of my active Christian life. If God's grace is real, I don't need to actually be that obedient. I lived this lie out frequently, which often triggered the feeling of being on a roller coaster. I had simply just added Christian things to the life I was already living, allowing myself to just go where the winds of the world would take me, fully aware that I was sinning, and fully knowing what my prayer asking for forgiveness was going to sound like. The feelings that this cycle brought were not fun, and definitely did not feel safe. I would then feel guilty enough to firm up some spiritual disciplines for a while until I felt confident in myself again. You see, we sin because we don't understand, and we don't understand because we do not fully know and trust God. Therefore, we live in the silence of the lies that saturate our thoughts and consume our minds, and therefore our actions. When we don't know the law, we don't know how to live. This cycle was beyond just muscle memory for me. This cycle was an emotional and spiritual muscle that I incorrectly exercised for years and I hated it guys like that is not fun if you know what I'm talking about like you cannot look me in the eyes and tell me that that's working that you are sitting here tonight and you feel good about that that you feel good about having 
to wait to be here this weekend to feel close to the Lord again. Living that life sucks. And the life I was living was not working. I remember the Lord frequently speaking to me, saying, Megan, this is not the life I intend you to live. This is not it. You see, God in His kindness was starting to reveal to me that the cycle of disobedience, then trying to work my way back into what felt like His favor, was simply not why He gave us His law and certainly not why He sent us His Son. Rob shared last night the idea of living in a cage your whole life and always grasping for things on the outside and trying to pull them through. That's what I was doing for so long. And at this point, the Lord had fully opened my cage door. It was wide open. And it was up to me to walk out of there. God wanted to show me what life was like outside of the cage. And while it sounded good, I liked the idea of that. I could consider it. The, the life he intended me to live was not supposed to be exhausting. And in fact, it was freeing. But I struggled to see another way of living. You see, the cage is comfortable in the same way that a middle school boy thinks he doesn't need to shower. <laughs> you know, he kind of likes his own musk in like a really weird, gross way. And he doesn't want to acknowledge the authority in his life telling him that he needs to shower. And he doesn't want to admit that he smells awful. And he doesn't want to do the work that it takes to become clean. Because he doesn't know that there is a better way to live. That's what the life feels like inside the cage. And so it was not until I began to seek to understand the heart of God that I understood that his words did not just sound good. And as I began to understand the heart of God, I started to understand myself more. And you see, when you keep moving toward the heart of God, you keep getting a clearer vision of how awful you really are. <laughs> and I kept coming back up with the fact that my thoughts would never be pure enough. My desires would never be holy enough. My words would never be clean enough. My choices and actions would never be honorable enough. This is the point at which the rope became taut in my life. The tension was held. I realized I was so in need of God's law, but had to accept the fact that I would never be righteous enough for long enough to satisfy God's holy requirements. You see, we all live under the same weight of the law. Crippled by the inability of sin, I'm not sure about you, but I'm much better at rebelling than submitting. And I'm much more inclined to arrogance than humility. I'm way more skilled at making war with my brothers and my sisters and my neighbors than I am at loving them. And I leave a trail of evidence every single hour that I have fallen short of the glory of God one more time. I started to realize the complete need I was in for God's law and what it meant for my life, and I saw that it was good, and it was holy, and it was safe, 
and it was made with my good in mind. It was made so that you and I may be free from these things. You see, the tension that was being held in my life then revealed this. When I failed to respect God's judgment, I failed to celebrate his mercy. And when I failed to fear his anger, I failed to seek his forgiveness. And when I failed to love God's law, I failed to esteem his grace. So let's ask again then, what what is the point of obedience in the Christian life? Do I actually need to be obedient? Well, this is the hard to swallow a pill of bad news of right being crippled by our sin. It's actually right there that that's the entry point to freedom for us, which is our everlasting hope and joy. This is where the cage opens for us. It's only when you accept who you really are and what you're unable to do until you begin to understand and celebrate that God's law is a necessity. And it's a gift of grace for us. So I'm going to put this bad news and good news together for you. And hopefully this starts to connect. The Apostle Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have been in a cage. But that's only half the story. He continues, And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Romans 3, 23-25. A propitiation is an atoning sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus satisfied the wrath of God and created a reconciliation between God and all who placed their faith in him. I'm going to break this down for you in way more simple words. You don't need to obey God to gain God's favor. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Don't misunderstand me. Grace does not make obedience optional. I'm going to say that again. Grace does not make obedience optional. Obedience is a lifelong calling for followers of Christ, but your obedience should never be a fearful response. It's our hymn of gratitude to the God who meets you, like right here tonight, in this room, sitting, looking at the cage door open in front of you, and did for you what you could not have done yourself. You could not open that cage door yourself. You see, your obedience doesn't purchase God's love for you. Christ's blood is the only purchase that could do that. Rather, your obedience is an expression of thankfulness that you understand the significance of God's love being placed on you. So, if you're sitting here tonight in the same place that I sat for so long, I know what it feels like and it sucks. And I want you to know that there's more for you, right, within the goodness of the Lord than this roller coaster. And I would first ask you to humbly admit that what you're doing is not working. 
it's not working. You must start to give up hope in yourself that you may put your hope in him. You must abandon your own righteousness so that you will rest in his righteousness. Pray that the Lord would grant you the grace to see and accept the necessity of his law so that you will seek and celebrate his grace. Commit yourself to a lifestyle of obedience, not because Jesus needs you to, but because you understand how much you need Jesus. I want you to know that life in obedience to God's good and precious law is not exhausting. It doesn't feel like this. It is freedom. It is where rest is found. And I want you to know that you can get off the roller coaster. You can walk out of the cage. So we're going to have a um, short time of reflection and I'm sure that y'all have some thoughts and maybe you feel the Lord nudging at you a little bit. You can see the cage door open in front of you. Um, there are some prayer prompts on this paper right here. And I want you to use them if you'd like, um, of maybe some things you need to pray. You don't have to just pick one. <laughs> you can use all of them if you like or not use them at all. Um, but in your booklets, there's, a, a, I think, a last sheet that says reflection. And so we're going to take about 15 minutes to just write out maybe a prayer you need to pray or any thoughts you have um, and take some time. Maybe you need to pray with someone. You're scared to walk outside of the cage. Um, you know, we're here for you. We want to celebrate that, but we also like, want to like, walk out of the cage with you. So um, take some time, and you can find me or Rob or Ariel or anyone if you um, need to talk or pray through anything. But um, I'm going to pray over your time. Um, Father, Lord, we thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are our Lord and that you see us and that you know us and that you love us, Lord. We could never thank you enough, Lord. We could use every last breath we will ever have thanking you and it would not be enough. Father, we thank you for opening the cage door and for not letting us sit there for telling us that there's more than just trying to pull things inside the cage. And that life outside of it is really, 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 really good. Lord, forgive us for not believing you when you tell us that. Father, I pray for anyone in here tonight, Lord, that has not walked out of that cage, Lord, I pray that you would call them home to you. Father, I pray that um, you would Teach them to be afraid to be far from you. Father, I pray that um, they would abandon all self-righteousness, Lord, and run into your arms. Father, I pray that you um, would speak over them what they need to hear tonight, or what they need to be freed from, what they need to walk away from. 
Father, and see that they can and that you are good and that you are safe. So, Father, um, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just move through the lives of everyone in this room. Um, and we, yeah, we just thank you and we love you. Amen.